0: Welcome to Bolts of the Roundtable. Here is your host, Terry Bonadonna.
1: Welcome to another edition of Bolts of the Roundtable, number two in the 2018 season. My name is Terry Bonadonna. I'm your host today, and I'm joined, as always, by three esteemed members of the Windy City Thunderbolts baseball team. First of all, to my left is the co-host of the program, Mr. Blair Beck. Blair, thanks for being here, as always. Always good to be here. Another edition of Bolts of the Roundtable. To the left of Blair Beck is one of the newest Thunderbolts, a relief pitcher, rookie out of Florida Atlantic University, Drew Peden. Drew, thanks for stopping by.
0: No problem. Thank you for having me.
1: And to Drew's left is Zach Westcott, the number one starter for the Thunderbolts this season. Zach, thank you for being here.
2: Thanks for having me, sir.
1: All right, guys, I want to get one thing out of the way, first of all. Blair, you're an outfielder mostly, a little bit infield as well. Drew and Zach, you're both pitchers, so I need to know what the relationship is between all of you guys the three of you were all in agreement to come up here and talk with one another what's the usual relationship like in a clubhouse when you have different groups
3: of players position players pitchers does everybody get along pretty well uh yeah i mean i think for the most part uh i think the biggest thing um you know when you have uh, pitchers and position players and you're trying to you know be a leader in the clubhouse and on the field is you know finding what button to click really with each player and how to, you know, click those on a regular basis to get the most out of those guys. And I think that's what, you know, really sparks chemistry and allows you to do something special with the team.
0: Yeah, we're like like one big family. I mean, everyone's got each other's back on and off the field. So...
1: I don't know uh, what the situation was when you guys agreed to come up here. It sounds like, Drew, you were just kind of roped into it because you're a rookie and you don't have any other say. I know players on with me all the time, and, and Zach has been up here before as well. So when I go down to the clubhouse and say, hey, I need three guys for Bolts of the Round Table," you guys are all willing to, to do it together. It's not an issue of, like, let me just go talk to these one or two guys that I know I'm comfortable talking to with on the podcast.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, well, for one, we enjoy coming up here and talking with you, Terry. This is a a good thing for for the the team, the media, the fans, all of it. Um, But the clubhouse environment's real good. Uh, The different positions, you know, we have different stuff we got to be doing different times. We got to be at the field and stuff. But I mean, at the end of the day, we're in the clubhouse together for like hours on end, so bus rides, hotels. So uh, we end up clicking, um, getting off to good, good friendships.
1: You do spend a lot of time together. You're forced to spend a lot of time together in the clubhouse. Forced friendships,
2: for sure. <laughs> forced <laughs> friendships.
1: <laughs> but uh, you don't have to name any names. Has anybody had an experience, whether it's high school, college, or professionally, where you've had teammates that you just can't stand and you have to deal
2: with them anyway? Yes, I definitely have. I definitely have. I won't name names. But uh, how do you deal with that? Um, You got to just keep reminding yourself that you're not here for, like, social hour, you know. You're here for a job. You're going to not like coworkers, but you can still go on about your business. Respect them um, in the workplace, I guess.
3: Yeah, just being professional about it and, you know, carrying on with your business no matter. I mean, it's a job, you know. Not everybody's going to be happy, but you got to deal with it and try and make the best of it.
1: It's true that it's a job, but most jobs, you don't like your coworkers. you're going home at 5 o'clock, you don't have to worry about them until tomorrow morning. Here, are you guys getting, what time do you get in, 1, 2 o'clock, 3 at the latest for a game day? Yeah. Yeah. And You're, you're nice here day. until close to midnight some nights, depending on how long the game goes, at least 10 o'clock. So, I mean, you're stuck together with these guys, and I think the clubhouse here at Standard Bank Stadium is pretty nice compared to a lot of them in the Frontier League, but it's still a small space for 24, 25, 26 guys sometimes. So... I'm sure there are times where it's a little uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, I mean, more more so, like you said, in in some of the ballparks that it's smaller um, clubhouses. But that's not really on um, like us not getting along. That's just like, you know, maybe we lost. I've had a tough series, and then you're trying to get dressed and get back on the bus, and all all the person next to you stuff is all over your place. You know, it just that'll get irritating, but. I mean, in terms of this year, as far as I'm concerned, I feel like we got a pretty good clubhouse. No one's really butted heads with anyone, and if it has, it's been minor things that have been squashed right away. Yeah, I swear
1: I'm not trying to cause problems. (laughs) (laughs) Terry, Terry. Nothing like that. Uh, But is there anywhere in the ballpark here at Standard Bank Stadium? I know, Blair and Zach, you've both been here for a few years now, so you're probably pretty familiar with Standard Bank Stadium. Is there anywhere you can go where – Maybe you just want to get away for a little bit. You've got the two rooms down in the clubhouse, the main clubhouse, and then the small lounge area. But is there anywhere you like to go around here, either in the park or outside, when you just need to get away a little bit?
2: Personally, no. I I, I don't really. This is my getaway. You know, I love being out here at the field, regardless of where I'm at. Um, I don't really have like a little hideout. I don't really go into the lounge out that, that often.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's really no place you can really go to get away from anybody. You know, so I guess the bathroom. <laughs> well, that's that's always an option. Soaker, yeah,
1: the soaker. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've gotten off to a bad start on this particular yeah, podcast. I don't, <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm not trying, not trying to create problems. I'm not trying to dig for your your dirty laundry yeah. down in the clubhouse. So let me completely turn the tables here. What are some of the things you really like about being in a clubhouse full of all these
2: guys all the time? Let's hear, it, Drew. I mean,
1: I'm
0: you the new guys. So. Nice <laughs> things to say. I, about have to, I have to prove myself and gain these guys respect. So I just not try to piss anyone off. I come here, do my job to the best of my ability, and just play as be the best person I can be.
1: First impressions. You've been here for a little bit less than a week now. What's the biggest difference between a college clubhouse and a professional one?
0: Uh, definitely the competition. Competition. Uh, like everyone's a dude here. I mean, uh, there's no one on our team that, like struggles or is like can't compete with the best of them. So the competition here is really good. I think
2: with our clubhouse, I mean, Terry, you've probably seen a bit of this as well, being on the bus and coming in down there. We're a real loose club. Um, for that, That's the way B guys has, has kind of structured it. I mean, as far as I've been here, we've been really loose. Um, it gets guys to open up, you know, and not feel pressure. Um so I, I honestly lo- love our clubhouse environment. Um, I, have a, like, I mean, I don't mind getting to the field early because I'm hanging out with my friends, you know.
1: Yeah, I want to touch on something that, that Drew said a minute ago. Just You get to this level as opposed to being in college, and it's like everybody is that next step up. Or, is in college, you've got a lot of teammates. The, the roster sizes are a lot bigger, first of all. And you've got a lot of guys who are at the back end of the roster who are probably never going to play beyond the age of 22. You get to this level, obviously everybody here is a professional, Zach, I'll turn this one on you first because you have some time in the American Association, which is an older league. What was that difference like for you when you first started playing professionally, and suddenly you're playing with guys who are like 35 years old who have 10 years of pro experience sometimes?
2: It was, uh, I mean, you try not to let it bother you because at the end of the day you're in the same spot, you know, um, whether, however you've gotten there throughout your career. Um, But I don't know. It's just, uh, it's like... uh, no one's no one's throwing harder. No one's hitting the ball 600 feet. You know, at this point, talent-wise, everyone's up at the same notch, pretty much. It's just who's more consistent. You know, it's you're playing the game, not the opponent. And once you can wrap your head around that, I think it takes a lot of pressure off, and it makes it a lot easier on you. And you're not seeing like, oh, this big this big 35 year old's in the box and he has double A at bats, triple A at bats. Like, you're just like, okay, let me just make my pitches and We'll get out of this. Was the
1: atmosphere strikingly different at all when you came to the Frontier League, which is still a professional league but a little bit younger?
2: Um, not really. Um, in terms of – well, I, I see it in, in, in hitters. There will uh, be less of a lineup with, with a, a good approach, uh, maybe like two or three guys less. But, for I mean, it's the same game, you know, at any level.
1: Blair, for you, it was the opposite because you came here from rookie ball where everybody is between 18 and 23 years old and now you're here and this is an older league what was that difference like
3: um a lot of raw talent um you know a lot of guys that you know had the tools but you know mentally just weren't where they should be um you know making you know kind of high school mistakes just like mental errors um and I talk about this with a lot of our older guys it's you know talent only gets you so far and you get to a point in your career where you have to it's a mindset and the the guys that have a feel for the game and know what they're doing in certain scenarios those are the kind of guys that that move on and you see get picked up and go to the next level or you know make it to the big leagues. Like these guys in the big leagues, they make they make a bad pitch. They're not going to do that again. You know, it's kind of like, you know, your teenage kid that, you know, they make one mistake and you drop the hammer on them. All right. Well, now I know, you know, mom and dad mean business. I can't do that again.
1: One thing that has always struck me, I heard this quote from Cal Ripken Jr. when I was a kid and it's stayed with me for many years since then. He said that There is a tiny percentage of people who are born with the ability to play professional baseball and even that tiny percentage of people have to work hard every day of their life or they're not going to go anywhere in the game. So it really is incredible how good you have to be to begin with and then how hard you have to work from that point on. Have any of you guys ever been in a situation in your life where you just thought maybe the work isn't worth it, maybe it's time to try something else? honestly no and not even necessarily in a time of struggle but maybe you're, you're doing really well but you're thinking oh this is too much work I'd, I'd rather try something that's a little bit easier
3: I mean I think everybody at some point goes through that if we're going to be you know honest yeah. with with ourselves but uh at the end of the day it's a game you know and uh like for me I always try and look back at like the first time I ever put on a you know my little league uniform and you know, how happy I was to to do that and kind of thinking back on old memories and like why you play the game really helps you come out of that and realize that, you know, what we're doing is something really special and there's kids that look up to us and uh, although they probably think we're making millions of dollars <laughs> at some times, you know. Uh, but it's I fun. was under the impression that you were making millions of dollars yeah. too. Is that, is that not accurate? Oh yeah, no, uh, you know, Lucas pays me really well. It's <laughs> well over seven figures so well, i i mean i from the lavish bus rides and all the five-star hotels on the
1: road i just assumed that this yeah. is a big money league
3: yeah continental breakfast it's yeah. a whole nine
1: drew uh as a, a rookie playing professional ball for the first time I, and again just a disclaimer to anybody listening as we record this you've been a professional baseball player for all of five days right now <laughs> yes. so you're still just kind of adjusting to everything At the moment. But uh, for you, when you finished up with college, what's your thought process like? Did this opportunity come up for you immediately?
0: Um, Well, it all started when I was pitching in regional, and I was facing Florida, and I did pretty well. And we ended up losing our second game to them. And I thought my baseball career was done. And then on our uh, about eight-hour bus ride back, I get a call from Bigga, and he's like, Hey, I got a spot for you if you want it. And I was more than happy to come here and be a Thunderbolt.
1: Did he tell you about the million-dollar contracts before or after you had agreed <laughs> to sign?
0: Uh, it was definitely before he okay. get me here.
1: Yeah, so that was part of the incentive then. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I, I first heard of you the day after uh, you pitched against Florida a couple of weeks ago. Ron Bega came to me and he said, hey, did you watch that game last night? And I said, no, I was, I was actually here working on this school game at the time. Uh, he said, well, there's a kid who pitched. So I, I wish you'd seen him because I think we're going to sign him. He looks really good. So uh, it's funny sometimes how these things work out, the way that uh, that the players are discovered to play in the Frontier League. Is is the Frontier League everything that
2: uh, that you guys dreamed of when you first heard of it? Uh, I had never. So when I first got into independent baseball, I hadn't, didn't know anyone who had ever played it or anyone I could call up and kind of get the lowdown. So I was expecting like, I don't know, like Rec Ball, like not not it, being, it not being very good competition, being like ten fans, maybe some lesser fields, and then I showed up, and I mean everything opened my eye. Like me and me and Blair were just having a con- uh, conversation the other day in the hotel about how personally I think in like way more people are seeing independent baseball as like an option, like a realistic option. Um, to continue playing now, and I think that competition's getting better. Um, I mean, you've seen, look at the game last night. We were packed packed here. Um, I, it, it 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 exceeded my expectations coming in.
1: Yeah, I and mean, you're from Florida, and there really isn't any independent baseball in that area of the country, which is interesting. Yeah. I guess there's no need for it from a fan's perspective because there's so much affiliated baseball yeah. in that area. But, yeah, I mean, I would imagine, even being from Chicago, we've got... The Thunderbolts weren't around when I was a kid, but when I was a little bit older, they came around, and the the Joliet and Schaumburg teams, they were different teams at the time, but they were here when I was growing up. Gary right there. Gary, and all these teams were there, and I knew of their existence, but I I can't say I really knew much about independent ball when I was growing up either. So uh, it's interesting when you get to this level, and you see this is legitimate professional baseball, and really, you don't know much about it beforehand. Blair, what was your experience like when you first joined the Thunderbolts in terms of your
3: perception of independent baseball? Uh, I mean, you come in here and, you know, you kind of have that mentality, like, all right, I'm going to get in and out of here. Like, you know, I'm, I want to be at that next level. And when you come in with that kind of mindset, the game will humble you really quick. And, um, I mean, you see it a lot with guys. I mean, you can have a first rounder come in here who you know doesn't, shouldn't be here, and they struggle. I mean, it's – but me coming in here, um, for me, coming to the park is something I love to do. Baseball has been a part of my life since I can remember, and I love it so much. Coming to the yard is really like a safe haven for me, and, you know, just being around the guys and getting to know all the different mentalities. Uh, You meet so many good people in the Frontier League or, you know, whatever league you're in. And, you know, it's just a joy to be able to, you know, come out here and face this kind of competition and, you know, just grind with guys day in and day out.
1: I don't know if you guys have ever personally heard this, but I always hear annoying fans who (laughs) kind of yell out anytime you make a mistake on the field. That's why you're in this league. I've always kind of viewed that as more of a compliment. The reason that everybody is in this league is because they're good enough to play professional baseball. I think it, it kind of goes both ways. You're here. Every player who's here has got some flaw that they're not at a higher level, but obviously you're not playing professional baseball in the first place if you're not doing something really well to begin with. So how do you react when you hear something like that?
2: Um, some fans are ruthless. I, I get the, the pleasure of the day before and the day after my starts of actually sitting with some of these fans and charting. And sometimes it, it drives me nuts, but, uh, but it's just funny, you, you kinda take it with a grain of salt. You know what I'm saying? Like where where were we playing the other day? Schomburg, that, that, that team was there. Um there was like some college team that had just won something and yeah, they were. Down us. Oh,
3: Traverse City, I think, right? No, uh, was it, like was it? D3 it was, champion, yeah, it was like D three national champion. Juco.
2: D three yeah. They were just like heckling us, um wearing us out. Yeah, and it's just like, okay. You just gotta let you, you just you, you don't even hear it practically you know like thanks for paying for the ticket that pays my salary you know what i'm saying like like we'll see you tomorrow man well, you know it's
1: probably part of part of that perception too that you guys are, are all millionaire professional yeah, athletes. They probably like, think these guys deserve it yeah they're getting paid enough that they can take whatever whatever we give them
2: yeah but i mean you take it with a grain of salt at the same time i mean we don't need a fan to tell us what we just did was poor on the field you know like we all know what yeah, we we're supposed it. to be doing what is you know? the
1: most interesting keep it clean now but what's the most interesting comment you've ever heard from a fan that you can remember
2: i don't know I, I don't have a specific one here but what i remember when i was playing with the lincoln salt dogs it's one of my first outings um i came into like a, a pretty tight jam it was like two guys on i think one out and i struck out a guy gave up a three-run home run and then struck out the next guy I'm walking off the field, and I don't know how I like caught eyes with her, but I looked up, and there was probably an 80 year old woman, and she was just yelling some obscene things at me. <laughs> oh man, I <laughs> was just like, um, oh, we were at home, you know, like uh-huh. a Salt Dogs fan who was mad at you. Yeah, yeah, I was getting lit up, but uh, but I'll I'll, I'll keep the uh the expression for off the air. Yeah, we appreciate
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> um. As far as Thunderbolts fans go, how are they generally? Are they supportive or are they critical? How is it playing in front of these fans?
3: Uh, when you're playing good, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably uh, true in
1: most places.
3: I mean, we've been on a you know, bit of a rough stretch lately, so you know, they kind of speak their mind a little bit more and the beer garden definitely helps with that. Uh, but I mean, I think we're – what, are we in last place right now? Well, perhaps not at the time that people are listening to this. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Maybe Maybe not. Of, but as of today, yes. My whole I point to this no, deal oh, is
2: – Normal passes? My, my, if,
1: if the team wins today, <laughs> we're <laughs> recording we're, this on Sunday, June in 16th. In normal falls behind. Then
3: we're back in Perfect. <laughs> then we're not in last place. My, my whole point to this deal is, you know, as bad as it is right now or however bad people may think it is, we can only go up from here, and, you know, that's what I'm going to try and, you know, tell the guys today is there's no reason to press. We're, you know, this is – it's an uphill battle now. I mean, we can yeah. only go up. And what if we so, got, like,
2: 66 games yeah, left we, or something 66. like it's, We're not even close to being over.
3: Yeah. I mean, we're, what, a third of the way through? Just about, yeah. So – Relax. The bats are going to come around. The
2: reason why baseball seasons five six months. You know, can't really judge any player by one month performance. You know.
3: Yeah, I mean we're not swinging the sticks very well. Pitching is, you know, struggling a little bit. Bullpens taking some heat. Uh. But there's nobody in the clubhouse that we can't trot out there that goes into the batter's box that we're not like, all right, they're going to get the job done. So they're going to get the job done at some point. It's just a matter of when it's going to be. And when it happens, I think we're going to be a very tough ball club to beat. So,
1: What is the biggest motivating factor for trying to win ball games? I assume for personal performance, everybody has personal pride and everybody's trying to move on to the next level, and you have all of that to play for. But on a team basis, are you playing for yourself? Are you playing for the fans? Are you
2: playing for your teammates? What's the biggest driving force trying to get the Ws? I, I mean, I'm losing. losing's is just not fun. Even if you're the most selfish guy out here playing for yourself, and you're having a, a great season, and we lose, like lose, 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 lose. The clubhouse is not fun—a fun environment. You know, uh, that's when you start not wanting to come to work. That's when the, all that piles on. So honestly, I like winning just because I'm trying to have fun out here, and it's just—I—I I, I just can't. I, I hate losing. It's not fun to me.
3: Oh, it's miserable.
0: Yeah.
1: Has anybody ever had a good time during a losing season? Are there, are there ways, to, are there ways so. to make
3: I'll it better? I'll let you know if that ever comes. But uh, maybe guys in the big leagues that are making uh, <laughs> two hundred million.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they can they can have their hideaway. Yeah, in the yeah. they're not they're not. They can go back to their us. mansion
3: and sure. model girlfriend. Not us. We just got to go back to our model girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: no mansion. Yeah. We go back Hubble. to <laughs> a playstation. <laughs> no, well, Fortnite. there's there's something Fortnite. to be said for that too, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, what What is your, your best way to cope with a losing streak? And and like you were saying, we're a third of the way through the season, so I don't think anybody's at a point right now where you're thinking, well, here we go again, a bad year. But while you're going through a losing streak, what's the best way to get away from that, take your mind off
2: it? What kind of activities may be off the field? I think everyone's different. We, p- we play a lot of Fortnite as a team. Um, that definitely helps. Uh, maybe... It could be anything, though. You know, we drop a couple on the road. It's like, hey, you know what? Let's blow it off. Let's go have a beer or two. You know, let's go to the casino. Let's just take your mind off it, whatever it is. um, You just got to kind of take yourself outside, step outside for a little bit and realize, like, hey, I mean, this is still – I'm still playing baseball for a living right now, you know. Um, It could be worse.
3: Yeah. It could be way worse.
1: It could always be worse. That's for sure. Uh, what about you, Drew? Early on in your professional career now, how are you adjusting to life off the field?
0: Um, It's definitely different because it's a new place. I've never been to Chicago or this far north. So the environment is definitely different, but I treat every day like it's a gift to be here. Like I'm just happy that I get a chance to compete and play the game that I've been playing all my life, and the game that I love.
1: You uh, you came to Chicago last week, and then were immediately on the bus to Florence, and then right back on the bus here, and you got a game the next day, so I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of breaking in. I assume you haven't really had a chance to, to explore the area yet.
0: No. Uh, I've been to, I think, downtown Chicago once for a physical. <laughs> that's always fun. Yeah, that's about, and that <laughs> took me, Is like a six, 16 miles away and it took me almost hour and a half to two hours yeah so. welcome to chicago traffic yeah.
1: i hope you enjoy yourself <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like the chicago highways then best not to drive because you're going to be on them for a long time yeah
0: yeah
3: one way not to cope with a loss is going into traffic <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh i don't know i actually uh sometimes when i am having a rough day at the ballpark i i go home i put my uh, my audio book on on my drive home And I kind of enjoy just sitting in the car and and winding down at the end of the day like that.
2: What are you you listening someone else read to you?
1: Uh, At Current, I'm listening to a biography of Ted Williams. Oh, okay. Ben Bradley Jr. I recommend it. Ben Bradley Jr.'s uh, biography of Ted Williams. It's about 1,100 pages, I think.
3: Holy cow. I've
1: been wanting to read it for a long time, but I've been scared off by the length. So finally, I just put it on... I'm like audio nice. yeah I'm about uh, I'm about two-thirds of the way through it I've been listening to it since about a week before the season started
3: I'm a, uh, I'm I'm a, a Ted Williams
2: fan I used to wear number nine pretty much up until I got to uh, really professional yeah
3: even as a pitcher
2: yep well that's actually the reason why I stopped wearing a number nine because once I got into professional they're like you're not wearing a single-digit number <laughs> Yeah, single-digit pitchers.
3: <laughs> oh they're frustrating
2: <laughs> Blair how did you get your number
1: if there's an interesting story there Ooh. <laughs> Well, so (laughs) – You changed your number this year.
3: I've changed my number a lot. I've always (laughs) been uh, number three, always, um, for the longest time, uh, ever since growing up. And uh, if if I wasn't able to be number three, I would always do something that, you know, either was in a multiple of three or close to three. Yeah, two um, kind of looks like three. Yeah. If
1: you're warming up in the bullpen without <laughs> two, my twos, binoculars, I might make exception. a mistake. the <laughs> exception. Uh,
3: I was six last year. My junior six. year of, of college, I was number 53. Um, then I was nine my senior year. Um, got here, chose number six, and then had two bad years in that number. So I was like, well, I'm not wearing that again. And I told Coco that I would wear number two. So wearing number two, Kind of getting the same results thus far. But <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's like I said earlier, we're only going up from here. So hopefully two uh number two kind of comes around and uh helps me out in the long run. Are you nineteen, Zach? Because it's the closest thing to nine um, that
1: you can get as a pitcher? <laughs> no,
2: I was uh yeah we could go with that. we <laughs> okay. could go with that I don't I
1: mean most people most people probably don't have interesting- I could ask you, drew, but I assume that was the number that was available
0: yeah I, they're like, um, oh, do they're like seventeen like thirty one or so I just picked the first number I heard
1: and it's worked out for you so far yeah um yeah I, I mean, I imagine most people don't even have stories about how their numbers were picked, but I was curious because you said you wore number nine for Ted Williams and even uh even if, if they let you professionally wear number nine as a pitcher, I, I'm interested in the fact that a pitcher, a guy, did you grow up as a hitter, uh, idolizing Ted Williams, I mean, for a little or did you just bit. like him as a player?
2: Uh, well, my dad is a big Ted Williams fan, um, and that just kind of got passed down to me. Uh, my dad always wore number nine. My older brother always wore number nine, so I kind of just uh, went into that, Um and then see it. I also like the single digits too because I'm not the biggest guy, you know. And then I end up getting these like 28, 29. My freshman year in college, I was 36, and I'm just swimming in this jersey, you know. And then I just, I don't know. So I, I try to get like a lower number, but
1: how's 19 working for you? Do you like it? Oh, I, I love it. Oh, good. I think I've
2: I've committed to the to the move.
1: Larry, you mentioned that you changed your number because you didn't like your season from last year, so you wanted to change it up. It's a rebranding. Sure. Yeah. Is that a superstition, or is that just something that you just felt you wanted a fresh start?
3: I just wanted a fresh start, really. Okay. I mean, Kobe did it. Yeah. Sure, I never understood <laughs> Kobe that. did it. LeBron did it. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. The reason I wore number three my whole life is I was always a big Allen Iverson fan. Okay loved ai and although baseball is a lot different than basketball
1: <laughs> you don't say
3: uh he had a lot of swag about him and i don't know i always liked number three and uh one of my best friends from home uh hunter redmond his brother wore number three and i always looked up to him uh so that's why i wore it but unfortunately three's retired here so well
1: not not officially we shouldn't I mean it's not up on the not officially not retired. On the but the wall, but. it's
3: supposed to be. So I wanted to be number three, but <laughs> yeah, we'll see. If, we'll see if that happens. Yeah, Wait, I not think so it's in like a retired limbo. Yeah, yeah it's I just like, going through
2: it's not it's not retired. retired. Right now, well, yeah. this is uh, weird. Michael Torres played
1: for the Thunderbolts between 2010 and 2015. He wore number three. Blair came in the next year. We got new jerseys, and our general manager Mike Lucas, when he got the new jerseys, he did not order a number three. With the idea in mind, maybe someday we might retire Mike Torres' number. So why even buy a new jersey number three? So officially it's not retired. If it does eventually get retired, then that's perfect because we don't have a number three. There's no such jersey wow. down in the clubhouse right Yeah,
3: now. I was really, really <laughs> bummed out about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all right. My question is, Terry, if you're playing, what number are you going with?
1: Oh, I... Well, I never have played competitive sports past the age of like 13.
3: Well, hypothetically, let's throw a number out there.
1: I liked I like to wear the number 88.
3: 88? 88. Uh, when, okay. I, when
1: I played anything as a kid, just because I didn't play football. And for the sports I did play, I wanted something that nobody else wore. Yeah. So I, I picked 88 yeah. because it seemed like a good number that nobody else is going to wear <laughs> yeah, this number in love any sport. It. I like it. Uh, if I wore that in baseball, it would be because I was the last guy in the spring training roster. <laughs> no chance to make the team. But, uh, yeah, it hasn't been an issue for me. For some reason, nobody's come calling asking me to play for their team.
3: Hey, I think so. when I was with the Rays, I wore, like, number 80 was my – or maybe, yeah, 80, I think, was my spring training number. Brutal. <laughs> You're going nowhere with 80. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think Jim Bouton. I don't know if any of you have ever read the book Ball 4 – I don't remember what number he wore. It was 60-something, and he said it was to remind himself how close he came to not making a roster. Yeah. He always wanted to keep that spring training number.
3: I like that. So Yeah,
1: some people like the higher numbers.
3: I mean, I know Alex Bregman, he wore number 30, uh, like his freshman year of college, for all the 30 teams that passed on him in the draft.
1: Whatever drives you, right? Whatever works. I was number
3: two because he was the number two overall pick. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess it worked out.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's a a good change there. Uh, I like that story. Uh, It's a good one to close on because we are out of time here. But uh, thank you to all you guys for coming up to the the luxurious suites here at Standard Bank Stadium where we record our podcast. And I hope that uh, all of you will will come back at some point. And, again, I know, Blair, you will because you're going to insist on it. I'll be here. And that's 100% fine with me. I'll be up here more. And I'm very happy with that, too. Thanks, guys, for stopping by. Blair Beck, Drew Peden, Zach Westcott, I appreciate your time. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for being here. I'm Terry Bonadonna. We'll talk to you next time. Bolts of the Roundtable.